Welcome to God's Planning, Contemplative Preachers, Contemporary Age. Each week, join the Dominican Friars as they consider all things Catholic. Welcome to God's Planning. This is Father Jacob Bertrand Jancic, and I am joined here by, well, not here, but joined on this episode by Father Joseph Anthony Cress. Um, I, yeah, I'm here in Washington, D.C. As many of you know, if this is your first time tuning in, I am the vocation director for our province, and Father Joseph Anthony is down at our parish and campus ministry in Charlottesville and is the campus minister at the University of Virginia. So welcome, Father Joseph Anthony. Great to have you with it's me. It's good to be in the uh, proverbial here with you. Uh, so yeah, uh, very kind. No, it's good. Uh, oh man, fall is starting to creep into our lives, which is beautiful and great. Um, here in the foothills of the Blue Ridge, the trees are starting to change colors. The leaves are turning. It's getting gorgeous. It's getting kind of nice and crisp. And, uh, I woke up the other day. Was that? I said, Oh, crisp. Yeah. Crisp. Uh, I woke up the other day and walked outside. I was like, it feels like I, tailgating and football. Like, that's what it feels like. And lo and behold, football is back. UVA football is, is back. And we are starting off the season with a big win. And yeah, it's just, there's a lot going on. And even in the midst of kind of a COVID semester, semester and uh, all of that kind of crazy, there's these little like kind of moments of normalcy that continue to kind of encourage us on. So yeah, yeah it's great. And we also That's just great. had our church dedication um, a few weeks ago. So that was a really big moment for the history of our parish and our campus ministry here. Uh, the Bishop came up and uh, dedicated the church and it was, it was gorgeous, a really unique event. I've, I think it's only the second time I've been a part of a church dedication. So they're pretty unique and special. That's great. We were talking last week, you were saying that even though COVID has affected the the way in which campus ministry has been going, there things have been really good this year and kind of, even despite the pandemic, kind of growing still. That's that's exciting. I think it's, I mean, I, I really don't know all the reasons. Like walking into the semester, we kind of expected like, hey guys, we'll just take a low key semester. We'll kind of like, you know, strip things down a little bit to the bare bones and just you know, kind of take it uh, as a, a, a low-key semester, and then maybe we'll start adding things next semester when restrictions start to lift. But the reality is, in that kind of desire to simplify the ministry, we've actually um, strengthened it, and it's uh, growing in that. And I'm, uh, I'm so pleased because, uh, I mean, we have over, over doubled our, our Bible studies just from last academic year nice. uh we're uh in just that kind of focus to say we're going to do bible studies and um sacraments only we've seen a real response from our students and that stuff has been growing and growing and growing so our ministry um as far as like numbers and, and engagement is really kind of doubled uh even in a pandemic uh setting so it's it's exciting and things are going really really well. Our student leaders are great. Uh, staff is just top notch. So I love it. Awesome, very cool. Things are things are. It seems like things here at the House of Studies are always status quo. It's just kind of like the the machine that keeps rolling, which is a good thing. Um, so yeah, we are. I mean, if the, you want uh, any place to be kind of like stable and like being able to ride the waves of crazy, like the House of Studies is a place that's going to be like, yep things don't really change that much. It keeps, yeah. keeps chugging. 
Yeah. So students are in class. Friars are teaching. Vocation office is cruising. Thomistic Institute is also going ahead. So yeah, things are things are going, Straight which is poppin'. which is nice. Yeah, I guess that's not how I would describe it, but. Thanks for that. Yeah. So speaking of straight popping, we can move over. Is that what you said? That's, that's what you said, right? Yes. It sounds yes, much that was better. Not straight popping. Yes, that's right. So uh, yeah, so t- this week we, we wanted to discuss something of the spiritual life, something that yes. um, in the last, I don't know, months, maybe year-ish, I don't, it's hard to put a timeline on when, I, when you hear things because it's always, it's like when you, when you talk to somebody about like, seeing something out and about like a car oh did you see that car or whatever and then the next over the next weeks you notice them everywhere but like you hadn't noticed yeah. them before so it's mm-hmm. this this idea in the spiritual life of consolation and desolation that we're going to talk about today has kind of gotten on my radar a little bit over the past whatever i'm sure i've heard people talk about it i've the terms obviously and the concepts are familiar but for some reason recently it's it's become more popular and like all things when i hear something my immediate thought is to criticize and tell people that they're wrong and then tell them how i'm right and this is the way to think about it so what i've been hearing this that's just your new england in you right it's the new england meets dominican it's 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 a tough thing to overcome it's just who you are it's just who you are that's great yeah so as yeah i'm not gonna comment any further so in any case (laughs) It's consolation and desolation are real things in the spiritual life, yeah. and they are real, real things that, that, that affect and should affect, I guess. Can we say should affect? I'm going to. Should affect yeah. the way in which we pray and our relationship with Christ. But it's always important, as with all things, to understand uh, what they actually mean so as to um, know them and pursue them appropriately, so as not to make them kind of confused stumbling blocks or misunderstandings or these sorts of things. So for today's episode, that's what we're going to talk about. Shed a little light first on on the issue, on the problem, and then talk about uh, the how to remedy that or the truth or whatever you want to call it. So that's that. As Jason um, Mraz would say, it's the remedy. It's the experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I haven't thought of that song in a long time. So, so there thank you go. You. Bring it back. Bringing in all these Let's- images. Man, maybe we should use that as the bumper in between the two segments. No. No. Okay, never Uh, mind. Moving on. Uh, Moving on. So uh, when I, in in sort of thinking about this, I I did a, you know, what all people do to to learn about something. I I Googled it. I put it in the Google. And in searching (laughs) this, just spiritual consolation and desolation in in Google to see kind of what the popular hits were on it. Um, I came across a, a lot of the hit. You can read whatever you want, I guess, if you if you do that yourself. But a number of the hits that came up, the top ones, when I clicked on them, they sort of, they had these descriptions of consolation and desolation. And as I was reading them, um, which I hadn't, and I hadn't read these sort of popular kind of uh, spiritual writings on them, um, it, it kind of clicked. It's like, ah, this is kind of the, the school in which people are thinking. And this is everything that I don't like about it. So here's, 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 what's, here's what's proposed, at least, and, and I, what I think is kind of a popular, at least current contemporary understanding, is that um, the, the, these sites, I guess, describe consolation uh, as when a person is moving towards God and then the ensuing emotions or feelings that come from that person moving towards God. And desolation, just the opposite. Desolation is a period of time or a time when a person is moving away from God. And and then includes the the following emotions, feelings uh, from moving away from God, from feeling like a bad person, f- sinning, vices, these sorts of things. And I think that there are a ton of red flags 
that we should like so many red flags in that that we should like yeah caution red lights flashing sirens going off alarm bells going off when we hear this sort of description now i'm paraphrasing and i don't want to cite a particular article so do your own like look it up yourself i'm sure you can find it this these sorts of descriptions um but the idea that consolation and desolation, that the spiritual life or these things in the spiritual life are, are about our movement to and from God. So I think there are three issues here with this, with this description. Uh, first pertains to who's acting. Uh, the second mm-hmm. is, is forming judgments in the spiritual life. And the third are, are the terms, uh, the def- how they're defined, consolation and desolation. So let's talk about those. The, the actor who's doing what? The judgment and the terms. Um, yeah. So when I think about the actor in the spiritual life, because of, for whatever reason, when I, I think this is just how we've been formed and kind of how we've been, um, I don't know how we live our life. It is in, who in we are now. Yeah. It is who we are. That, that whenever, whenever there's a description that starts with the sort of um, first person singular in the spiritual life, that it's about me, about what I'm doing. Whoa, pump the brakes. I think that's super dangerous. I don't know. What do you think? I, I mean, that's, that's, we talked about all those red flags and that kind of uh, Google uh, search that you have. And, and that's, that's it. I mean, Christ, I mean, our relationship with God, he does care about us. He, he loves us so much that he came down to sacrifice himself for us. So it's not that we are auxiliary to all of this, but it's in that relationship that, you know, our focus, our goal, our beatitude is him alone. You know, and so when when you start to see that it's more about um, that, like you said, first person singular, and that's the kind of like refrain that keeps coming back to is the I, the I, the I. It's uh, it's a little. It, it just it gives reason for caution, you know. And in the and the second point, I will get to kind of like I think there's also a misjudgment on not just that, the, not just the individual human person, but also. Um, how or who the human person is and the integration of the human person um and that'll be for the next little bit but like there's a lot of kind of just misguided understanding in the midst of all of that yeah we have to remember because it's true not because it's like a, a theological opinion or this is just like what we're saying now but because it's true that god god is the primary mover we mm-hmm. we participate and we are we are true causes in that but god is the primary mover of all things especially our spiritual life it is a grace for us to be drawn and moved in the spiritual life so if we're if we're looking at 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 what's happening and what we're doing in the spiritual life and predicating on that as first as like my movement to or from god Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. that that we're we're missing the mark it's about what god the spiritual life is about what god is doing also about what we're doing, but God is primary, is, is the primary actor. And perhaps, you know, you may be saying, well, that's not, you know, think, well, that's, you know, that's kind of slicing it kind of close, but, but it's important to slice that, you know, closely and to have that distinction. It's, it's about God. It's about God in this. Jacques Philippe, Father Jacques Philippe, if you're looking for a spiritual author, Father Jacques Philippe is, is the man. I think he's excellent. He says in one of his books, An Interior Freedom, that it's the spiritual life and the life of freedom is not so much about what we do for God, but about us getting out of the way and allowing God to act. So the yeah. actor who's moving, it's really important that the primacy and the focus is on what God is doing. 
And I, I think that how you, you know, once again, how you paraphrase those like Google searches and, and what's the kind of like very en vogue contemporary understanding of consolation desolation is I think it does a disservice both to the human person and to God, right? The primary actor is God, the secondary is us. But like when that gets inverted and we become the primary, you know, God becomes this very static kind of ethereal life force or ethos, right? And then it's our job to move to him. He's just kind of like at a distance, this clockmaker God waiting for us to say like, hey, big guy, I'm ready to kind of succumb to your wishes. That's not it. God's a very dynamic. He's a lover. Like he's, he's this dy- dynamic um, God who reaches out, who pursues us time and time again. And our job is to respond to that. But he's taking the initiative. He's the one who's moving first towards us, not just waiting back for us to then step to him. Right. The whole pursuit of holiness, which is the spiritual life and the Christian life and the Catholic life, all of that is about responding to exactly what Father Joseph Anthony just said, about responding to that invitation to participate in God's life. But it's an invitation that's first offered to us um, and that by his Mm -hmm. grace, we then move into and grow into and this is the whole thing of conversion of being more and more um, converted and 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 uh, conformed to god to live that life but again it's always at god's initiative it's always at god's initiative and this is where i think brings us into the second right so the first kind of criticism here is like who's the prime actor is it about what i do and my kind of then uh subjective feelings to what my actions bring about or is it God in my relation to him. Um, so actor is the number number one kind of criticism. The number two, not number one in primacy, but in, in our list of actor judgment terms. So judgment is the second one. The judgment that we use, so the, these sort of pop culture, pop spiritual culture ideas of consolation and desolation depend, at least how, how they propose it, depend on our um, sort of existential judgment, subjective judgment of how I feel in order to to determine where I stand in relationship to God. I think, again, extremely dangerous and faulty to use our emotions, our feelings, our, our own even subjective judgments as signposts in the spiritual life for so many reasons, but because, you know, first of all, because they're so fickle. Um, it could be that we're just having a bad day or a good day, and that doesn't determine the state of our spiritual life and our relationship with Christ in the same way that doesn't like, you know, determine the state of my friendship, for example, with Father Joseph Anthony. I'm usually having like I'm just a grumpy and onerous person. So like but the, just because I'm having like a grumpy day doesn't mean that like my relationship with him suffers. It's just my emotions are they're fickle. I'm this is just kind of my disposition. So I think it's that's important that we don't use sort of the fickle, um, ever changing emotive responses to things to be, uh, to pronounce judgment on where we sit in relationship with God and in the spiritual life. It's, I mean, this reminds me so much of just thousands of discussions I've had with students and other campus ministers and chaplains and things like this. I mean, and it, it re- goes back to what Fulton J. Sheen would talk about, and he would talk about the upside down man, right? Because of sin, intellect, will, and passions, the composition of who the human person is, is been thrown out of whack, right? And Christ came to redeem that and to put us back into that order where uh, the passions are governed by the will and the will is informed by the intellect, right? That's the way it is. But most people in the modern world, the modern man is like this upside down man where it's not the intellect that has kind of the ultimate authority. It is the passions. And so like, 
the the passions overwhelm the will and the will has is so weak that it can't do anything but just succumb to the passions and then the passions and feelings then uh dictate to the intellect what is real and i think this is what we're seeing here is that like these feelings these emotions aren't just kind of like signs to maybe point out certain things but they become the ultimate authority now and so now in the spiritual life and our relationship with god it's all dependent upon feelings and it's like emotions are real they're human and we can offer those to god but they not are not authoritative and that's what i i find very disturbing with this is that this kind of understanding of that i'm the primary actor i'm the primary mover in this and the authority resides in my fickle emotions that's terrifying to me Right. So in, in a couple minutes here before we head to our break, let's look, let's look at this third kind of area of concern, right? So we have the actor, the judgment, what we're using to judge in the spiritual life, and then the terms themselves. So classically, in, in the Christian spiritual tradition, going all the way back through the centuries, consolation and desolation are real things. They're, they're talked, about, talked about in different ways by different spiritual masters, these sorts of things. But classically, consolation and desolation are things that God gives us by his presence and favors in the spiritual life, not what we do, right? So a consolation is something that God gives us in the spiritual life that draws us in. It's those kind of good feelings mm-hmm. or those um, desi- that desire for prayer, that desire for union that God often gives the beginner to draw us closer and closer and to want that prayer. It's sort of that, that reward, but it's not something that, it's the that we do. Right? It's right, the, the sweetness, sweetness right? Of- exactly, that's a great way of saying it. Uh, but it's not something we do. It's something God gives us. Again, he's uh-huh. the primary actor. Desolation, on the other hand, is not a sort of like, it's not despair. We, we don't want to conflate desolation and despair. Desolations are, are kind of the opposite. When God begins to withdraw a bit, to withdraw the, the closeness of his presence, not for the sake of punishment, but for the sake of, of growth and maturation in the spiritual life. You had this uh, great kind of example image, right, of, of desolation yeah. there. Yeah, when I talked about desolation with a lot of students, the image I love to use is the image of a father and a, and a child, a toddler, right? And the father wants so bad for his, his child to mature and grow and stand on his two feet and, and walk. And how the father teaches the child to walk is that he actually stands face to face with the child and holding his hands. And then the father does something extraordinary he creates a separation between the child and the father. The father steps back and creates a distance, creates a separation, a gap, a void, whatever you want to call that, so that the child is enticed to come closer to the father. And it's in that kind of rhythm of a separation and then it coming closer together that then the child learns that he can walk and the movement's always towards the father though. And it's, I think that's what a, an image of the desolation is like, is that the, the God, our Father, kind of creates a gap, a void, a distance, but not to punish us, but as a way to entice us to come closer to him in a mature way so that we become the ones that are walking now, but we're walking towards him um, right. in, in a real sense. And that the movements, and, and this is where I find that kind of Google definition was like, we're either moving towards God or away from God. Consolation's moving towards him. Desolation's moving away from him. No, our movement's always towards God, even through kind of a void or even through a distance that we may feel in our life. That's right. Great. Well, now that we've kind of leveled our 
I don't know, criticisms of this sort of pop consideration of, of consolation desolation. We're going to take a, a minute, a quick minute break and uh, talk about some tips and then what St. Thomas has to say uh, just when we return. Stay tuned. This is God's Planning. Get up to date on all our latest episodes at opeast.org slash godsplaining. All right, welcome back to God's Planning in this episode on consolation and desolation. I'm Father Jacob Bertrand here with Father Joseph Anthony. Um, so just before the break, we were kind of wrapping up our um, concerns, criticisms of this sort of pop consideration of consolation and desolation as dependent on what I do, my either moving towards or away from God. And look, we looked at kind of the, the, the classical understanding that consolations are those sweet, is that sweetness, those kind of enticements that God gives us to draw us in by sharing himself, by making us desire that prayer. And desolation is not that God sort of says, I'm done with you, but that God pulls back a bit so as to allow you to mature, to cling to him, to persevere, to grow in the virtues. That image that Father Joseph Anthony used of, of a father, father who's you know, teaching his child to walk, how he kind of, he takes a few steps back so that the child has to, you know, walk to him, use his own sort of legs to get to him, his own, and in this case, his own spiritual legs to continue to grow and to continue to, to persevere. So now it's spiritual leg day, you know, it's a, I don't know what that means. No, it was just a workout reference. That's fine. That totally okay. went over. Okay. Over my head. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, perfect. man, that was a bad joke. <laughs> Back bad into joke. the segment. Never mind. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> now that we've done that, let's look at some tips for the spiritual life and, uh, yeah, our judgments thereof. Um, uh-huh. I think a big thing that we have to remember is that um, the spiritual life is less, I think, complicated than we would want it to be, or than that, or than we imagine it to be, perhaps at the outset. Um, mm-hmm. We're complicated. We're kind of messy. We have our emotions. We have our baggage. We have our, uh, you know, the good things, the bad things about us, um, and that all comes to bear on the spiritual life. But uh, that doesn't mean that God is is working in that way. It doesn't mean that God yeah. is kind of fickle or coy or trying to get us. Um, and I think growth in the spiritual life is that recognition that. Yeah, I'm all of these things, but God is this sort of eternal, um, eternal um, stability in my life, and that part of conversion is is being wrapped up in that rather than wrapped mm-hmm. up in our own sort of roller coaster waves, that kind of thing, um, and, and being thinking, acting, moving based on that divine stability rather than our kind of human craziness. I mean, running through human life is exhausting i mean it has its ups and downs its fickle emotions it's exhausting and i think our hearts long for the peace and uh to reside in the heart of god himself you know and so that's where like that stability is enticing and that the spiritual life is actually the simplification of our life as we become more and more dependent upon god himself yeah, I think that's exactly right. That it's it's less about, um, and I think this is important, uh, kind of leading into our next point. That it's less about our kind of being focused and concerned about where we where we are, where we sit on things, um, because these sort of judgments always become stumbling blocks. They become distractions yep. Yep, when we yep, begin yep. to consider, like, oh, where am I in this mansion or am I in this ladder? Like all of those things, those kind of spiritual assessments by the saints can 
they have their their helps, but the spiritual life in our relationship with Christ is not about this sort of existential self-reflection on, oh, where do I sit or where am I? It's about being with him. It's about being it's, uh, conformed to him. I mean, I'm so happy you bring this up. And I don't, I mean, I feel like we could do a whole three episodes on this, but like just to state briefly, like there's this idea to categorize consolation, desolation and all that stuff. And we as Dominicans love making distinctions, but I think there's this like, an unhealthy desire to programmatize the spiritual life, to make a program out of it, you know, to say like, oh, I'm in this state or I'm in this part of phase of my life and I need to then turn around and get out of that by doing X, Y, and Z. As long as I put in the effort, I can then level up to the next level. And that's like, no, this is, this is about being in a relationship with our Lord and, and our God who loves us we can make distinctions as well as a way to help us, but we cannot and should not even try to make a program out of it so as to get the results that we engender, because then that just as a subtle way puts the emphasis in us as a primary actor. And we try to make ourselves the savior. Right. And Father Joseph Anthony isn't saying that we shouldn't have sort of disciplines in the spiritual life, that we shouldn't, right. you know, have these times that we set aside for like, this is right. when I make my holy hour, this is when I pray the rosary, or this is when I, I do my Lexio, or this is, you know, and having these sort of spiritual disciplines. Of course, we have those, we have those, but, but it's not as if like, if I put in, you know, a uh -huh. week of good holy hours, then yeah, I'm mm -hmm. on the next level. That's, that's because in, in a sense, and in the important sense is, what's the metric that we're using and who's the, who's the creator of that metric? Cause it's often our own. It's often me yeah, when I say, well, yeah. if I, if I put in seven good holy hours and they're good, according to my standards, then according to my standards, I'm holier and holiness is according to my standards. Anyhow, all of that just becomes a sort of like cacophony of distraction in the mind rather than just focusing on Christ, rather than just on putting yourself in the chapel or in the church or like wherever you pray um, and just allowing him to work through oh, those spiritual disciplines. It's so much simpler than what we realize. Right. Yeah. Well, that, because, because one, God is simple and because he's not out. He's, the spiritual life and conversion in our life as Catholics and Christians is not about God trying to trick us and like saying, ah, that, that <laughs> idiot, he chose the wrong thing. You know, it's, it's not a, a, like a choose your own ending novel. And if you, if you pick the wrong ending, then God's like, oh, what a jerk. He chose the wrong ending. You know, our Lord is working because he loves us because he wants mm -hmm. to share his life with you. Uh, so all of that's important. And I think another, I guess all of this can be summarized in sort of the classical idea of detachment in the spiritual life. Um, that we, we have to, part of growing in the spiritual life is developing this, this detachment. And I think perhaps we're more used to talking about detachment in terms of like our attachment to material things that we're detached from material things. We don't need right. them. We're not kind right. of locked in on like the money and, and having all these niceties that it's, you know, we could do away with our material possessions if we were so, if that was demanded of us. But there's also detachment with respect to kind of our expectations and our sort of metrics and our judgments on things that, um, and sort of comparison in the spiritual life that, you know, well, I know I'm holier than Father Joseph Anthony, but there are many people who are holier than me, it's but true. like, yeah, yeah that doesn't put you in a unique category, does it? Yeah, no, but that, but I'm detached from that reality. You know, I don't need to be <laughs> holy. I don't consider it. I'm just kidding. Of course. You don't need um, to be holier than I am. You just are. It's, it's just, it's that's fine. how God made me. That's kind of the, the, the repeat of, of this episode. But, uh, 
but it's anything that takes us away. And we could use the religious life here as a, as a great example. Um, I'll finish my right. first sentence. But anything that takes us away from focusing on Christ needs to be sort of reordered and integrated into our lives in a different way or done away with if it's something evil. And this is like the great genius of the founders of like monasticism and this in the religious life is that the whole point here is that um, through the evangelical councils where we remove the, these distractions so as to be focused on Christ. And that can be lived and should be lived. We're all ca- called to live even the spirit of the councils of poverty, chastity, and obedience. Um, even, even the laity, um, so as to focus on Christ and remove those distractions from our will, from our thoughts, um, not to be, and not to be attached to the sort of, am I doing well? Am I not doing well? Of course, you know, we don't want to be sinning and that sort of stuff, but, uh, those kind of internal judgments like father Joseph Anthony described in my climbing up the ladder. It's like, who knows, but also who cares? It's, it's like, what are you focused on? What's the focus? What's, what's the focus of your heart and mind? And by, by doing that, by like kind of focusing on these uh, distractions and becoming attached to these distractions, engaging like yourself and where you are in this process or whatever, that's turning the means into the end. The end is, is, is God himself, you know, but if we focus on, you know, the ladder, the path and all that stuff, then we're turning the means into the end. And we're actually going to end up in a much further place away from our uh, desired destination. Right. So. We've talked about this this sort of pop idea of consolation and desolation as as something that is is something that we do. You know, consolation as defined by my moving away from God, desol- or sorry, moving to God. Desolation as defined by my moving away from Him, and then like the ensuing reaction, feelings, these sorts of things. And I think, um, hopefully, we've kind of shown that like that's that's actually there. There are a number of errors there that that lead us in fact away from god because it turns into like what am i doing self this sort of unhealthy self-reflection rather than the focus on christ and allowing him to work so there there's an interesting in the in the summa saint thomas writes on not really on consolation desolation desolation specifically um it'd be a bit, bit anachronistic to say that he has this you know kind of <laughs> modern a sense of this, but he does speak about um, when he talks about the passions. As Father Joseph Anthony was talking about that upside down man, where the passions are in control rather than the the reason, our intellect, and guiding our will and forming the passions. Um, he does talk about sort of suffering pain, um, both in but more in the kind of emotional and, and spiritual sense of when we suffer pain. What are are there remedies to this suffering of pain in our in our lives, however that may be experienced? And he he lists four. And I think they're, they're really interesting. But um, yeah, so we'll just walk through them in, I think, perhaps in the order that Thomas talks about them in his Summa. Um, and, and, you know, because he's the master here, not us. So uh, <laughs> yeah, so the first thing that he says, which is really interesting, the first remedy to kind of this, to alleviating pain uh, is tears, Thomas says. Yeah. Just crying. He says, tears and groans naturally assuage sorrow. First, because a hurtful thing hurts yet more if we keep it shut up. So if we keep those things buried inside of us, they hurt more. Um, and, and secondly, because an action that matches our, an exterior action that matches our interior disposition is healthy. It's, it's a kind of a unified person. So when we're happy, mm-hmm. we should kind of rejoice in these sorts of things. And when we're sad or suffering, it's fitting and appropriate cry. To, to, to cry because that's how we express a sad emotion. And I think this is really important 
uh, because as Father Joseph Anthony said, it's kind of about this integration, this writing of the person that are, we're, we're not a kind of mm, atomized reality. We're a whole human being and a, and a saint is a whole human being that the external matches the internal and, and it's kind of functioning with this, this wholeness. Um, I don't know, maybe, maybe we, maybe we are a little less ready to sort of just cry when we're kind of feeling pain, but Thomas recommends it. I listen, I, I did it very recently. Like it's good just to have a good cry every now and then. And you're you like, tell Oh, wow. That. Hey, it, it, Don't hey. Tell. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. No, put on a good, no, I was gonna say, like, and like, let, yeah, you know, let the it's water so true. Go. go watch hitch. It's fine. And, um, yeah, sit in your bathtub and, you know, have a good cry. It, it's not a bad thing. Um, and, no, it, it it was amazing because it does like you get this kind of very uh, visceral and kind of a physical release, and you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize how much I I had like pent up uh, yeah. anger and and issues, but it's like no, and it takes a while to kind of let that like, kind of course through your 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 veins. But there's a reality that and I love the fact that Saint Thomas says that's the first thing we should do. Right. Now we don't want to be running around and like every little annoyance turn us into tears like no it's not just about the things that annoy us and whatnot but there is an appropriateness to tears when we are suffering right and thomas says so the second thing so crying one the second thing and i think is is perhaps uh more important than just being able to to cry but he says (laughs) that friends are a remedy to pain Um, the natural sympathy of a friend should afford consolation is what Thomas says. And he says this for two reasons. First, because sorrow has a depressing effect. Its weight can be lifted by, by friendship. We can share and we can Mm -hmm. empathize. We can share in one another's burdens. And he says, secondly, and the better reason, according to Thomas is that because when a man's friends console or condole with him, he sees that he is loved by his friends and being loved by one's friends is a consolation in itself. Uh, that 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 knowing that one is loved um, by one's friends and by the people in one's life affords consolation. I think that's incredibly beautiful. That that friends just by being loved by sympath by sympathizing friend, uh, and these are things that we know. But it's just like the, you know this, the, they're just important to reiterate um, that that it's friendship that is so important yes. to a healthy life, but a healthy spiritual life too. And I, I love how uh, St. Thomas phrases that. It's, it's not like the, the having love conveyed to you isn't through fixing somebody else's problems. It's actually just sitting with them in the pain. It's being their friend. It's empathizing, sharing, and helping to alleviate the burden. But it's not fixing the problems, you know? And I think for a lot of people we have that kind of utilitarian mindset of friendship is like, what can this person do for me? So like, if I'm in a bad place and I need somebody who's going to fix that problem, in reality, the most authentic friend is somebody who is going to be able to empathize with you, share with you in that. And maybe doesn't communicate anything other than the reality that you're worth being loved. And I'm going to enter into that pain with you. That's the most that can be uh, communicated. And that's what an authentic friendship does. And through that, you have your pain alleviated. Right, exactly. Now, the third on the list is so tears, friends. You might your friends might actually make you cry, but then you can go to another friend. Tears, friend. The third thing that Thomas talks about um, is truth. Ah, oh, kind of crazy that like 
truth when i'm what i should think about truth or the truth should alleviate my suffering well yes of course it should he says that the greatest of all pleasures consists in the contemplation of truth um in the contemplation of truth capital t not just like look opening a science book and reading about like i don't know like sell mitosis or something but like about contemplating <laughs> god in the things of god it it can it, it, it it consists in hope and hoping um, and that in the virtue of hope and believing that God is our savior, that God is calling to share in this divine life. And this is real in times of consolation or desolation, that, 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 that virtue of hope undergirds the reality of our happiness, that it's Christ. It's not what I do. It's Christ. It's what he does, what he's done for us, what he's doing now. Uh, that, that is, uh, that is a source of great consolation no matter the circumstance. Well, I mean, truth is, like you said, capital T is stable. And so when we're in a midst of, you know, finicky emotions and our emotions are overwhelming us, when we can grasp to that kind of buoy or that sure foundation of capital T truth, it gives us that security. It gives us that foundation and stabilization uh, to right. endure uh, the, the the desolation that we are experiencing, that kind of... Um, that kind of gap and void between us and God and actually does encourage us to like kind of pull ourselves together and then move on through that, you know, continue to pursue him through that. Cause right. you're like, no, this is stable. This is kind of bigger than I am. In, in a right. And it's not the pursuit of me. It's not this sort of <laughs> self-reflection on me. It's the pursuit of Christ. It's the pursuit yeah. of God. He's the primary actor. All right. The last one in our last minutes here, the last one that St. Thomas recommends. So we had tears, friends, truth. The last one is sleep and baths. Thomas recommends that the, an alleviation to sorrow, to pain, to sort of desolation, to this sort of despair is to uh, chill out, take a nap, take a bath, rest, relax, these sorts of things. As Father Joseph Anthony said to me earlier, treat yourself. Like, you know, like it's okay yes. you know, to, to console, console yourself through these, these sorts of um, rightly ordered pleasures. Uh, because again, the body and the soul were hylomorphic beings. We're intimately linked. So it's okay. We should take time to rest, to recuperate these sorts of things. It's exhausting. Like as you're going through suffering and pain, it, it's exhausting. And sometimes you need a way to have life poured into you. And sometimes that's taking a nap, uh, having a good glass of wine or a, a whiskey at the end of the night, reading some good uh, literature, you know, taking a bath, something that is rejuvenating, pouring life into you. So it's okay to kind of, you know, treat yourself in a real sense mm -hmm. and know that Aquinas was a precursor to Tom Haverford. Like that's, that's really, we have the uh, proof right here. But yeah, that kind of taking moments to do self care uh, is, is not a bad thing. That's not selfishness, you know, but it's, it's stepping into that. Uh, opportunity to, uh, yeah, alleviate the pain of suffering, alleviate the desolation in that sense. Yeah, I knew that Jesus was a Thomist, but who knew that Tom Haverford was also a Thomist? You know, this is great. There it great is. Things. We learned all these things. Yeah. All right. Well, just a few words by way of concluding that remember when, when thinking about the spiritual life and consolation, desolation, whatever it may be, that God is always the primary actor. And that when we kind of get too caught up on who or on what we're doing and where we are it becomes a distraction. So the spiritual life and growth there is much less about being able to sort of psychoanalyze ourselves and much more about being and 
being uh, focused on God and clinging to him, pursuing him who has already begun calling and is calling and is working for your holiness. Uh, it's not something that should be overcomplicated, but something that should be properly focused and, and oriented on God. So thanks for tuning in to this episode of Godsplaining. Feel free to share it with those who you think might benefit, like us on our social media platforms, these sorts of things. Uh, be sure to tune in next week. And in the meantime, we are certainly praying for you all. God bless. Thanks for listening to God's Planet, a work of the Dominican Friars of the Province of St. Joseph. Visit us at opeast.org.